Hello and welcome back in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com. That is where you can find all of our Denver Nuggets content that we produce between Brandon Ewing, between Duvalier Johns and Jenna Garcia and myself. There is a lot of stuff up on the site. So definitely go type in MileHighSports.com into your browser and click that Nuggets icon in the top right corner to see everything that we produce. Um, We are going to dive into more Summer League topics today for the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I know there's a lot going on with Jeremy Grant. He's actually going to be introduced on Thursday at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So probably before you listen to this podcast, I will actually already be talking with Jeremy Grant and I will have a new podcast out after that as well as an article based on what he says. Um, But I want to talk more about Summer League. I feel like after three games is about the right time to encapsulate we have seen because Summer League gets very trash after about three games and a week go by just because you know, there's less high-end players who end up playing. You see a lot more guys just trying to get noticed for more, you know, overseas contract and G League time as opposed to the higher-level players who are playing right now. So as that kind of happens, you start to lose a good perception as to how good a player is and how you can actually evaluate him against that type of a talent. So I kind of want to just look at the three trends, well, more specifically three particular players that I think are important to talk about from this Nugget Summer League team, which of course is Jared Vanderbilt, Vlako Chanchar, Brandon Goodwin, and then I'll sprinkle in a little Thomas Welsh as well. Uh, those are really the big names when it comes to this Denver Nuggets Summer League team, other than Terrence Davis, who is now, of course, a part of the Toronto Raptors roster because he had signed a two-year contract after Game 1 of the Denver Nuggets Summer League. So, lots of moving parts there, but I definitely want to go step-by-step and kind of break down their games game-by-game game and just kind of give my overall thoughts of where they are at heading into next season and, in Vlako Chanchar's case, if they're going to be on the roster next year as well. Before we go any further, though, i got to pay some bills. First and foremost, shout-out to the Regulators Production Group. They are the reason that this podcast sounds so much more professional. Normally, not right now because my voice basically is non-existent, but they are the ones who make the beats for the intro and outro of this podcast. Podcast. Go check out Regulators Regime on Instagram. They are great at what they do, and then they will always be very, very courteous to you and get you exactly what you are looking for. In addition to that, Terrapin Care Station is the presenting sponsor of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. For all of your cannabis goods and needs all over the Denver metro area, you can find Terrapin Care Station somewhere near you. They are great at what they do, and definitely go check them out. And last but not least, the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast is powered by Mile High Sports. That is the home of the Denver Nuggets daily podcast so make sure to go check out everything to do with mile high sports but before we go any further here's a quick word about terrapin care station before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flower and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the product that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com.
start where everybody wants to start, which is, of course, Jared Vanderbilt, who is probably the most interesting player on the Denver Nuggets Summer League roster. So, first of all, let's kind of look at his statistical output that he has put out in the first three games of Summer League. So, he's averaging 12 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 steals per game. He shot 15 of 28 from the field so far, so just a hair over 50%. He's actually hit one of his four three-point attempts, so he's been willing to at least take those shots. He's taken over one three-point shot per game so far, and he's 5 of 9 from the free-throw line. So generally, he hasn't been terrible. He's been more efficient than I thought he was going to be, but he has been buoyed a little bit by his most recent performance against the Golden State Warriors. In addition to those numbers, he has six steals and one block, but he does have 10 turnovers in three summer league games so, so far. So that is not good, but let's take this step by step because in game one, he was not good. Jared Vanderbilt, I thought, was very, very bad in game one, and it definitely tempered my expectations for what I thought he might actually look like going into next season. I had very high hopes that maybe Jared Vanderbilt had the opportunity to make a dark horse run at the backup power forward position. Obviously, the acquisition of Jeremy Grant changes that equation entirely, but the point still stands that Jared Vanderbilt had the skill set to be mentioned in that conversation before the trade had materialized. But in game one, he only had four points and seven rebounds, which seven rebounds sounds like a lot, but he should have probably had 14, but he couldn't even grab the basketball or seven points. Um, was just awful on defense, I thought. Was getting blown by in isolation on the perimeter. Was getting moved by bigger players. Really wasn't moving his feet well. Was trying to rotate over to Sky for blocks and was leaving his guy wide open. Just didn't seem like he understood how to play team defense at that point. And that's not to say he doesn't know how to. He just wasn't. Um, he looked like he was pressing. He looked like he was forcing all the actions around him and it made him look lost. And it just was a very underwhelming game for how much talent is within that skill set that he has. Um, game two, he slowed down and looks a little bit better. I wouldn't say he suddenly materialized into the player that we thought he could be, but 12 points, 12 rebounds, and 2 assists is not a bad game. He was better on D. He wasn't as just mentally unfocused, I guess is the, probably the correct way to phrase that. He was just... He was just much more consistent. He was the guy that we kind of expected him. Still kind of rough in terms of his offensive touch. Was able to gobble up rebounds, tons of energy. Made a couple good passes because he has that ability within him. Was grabbing rebounds and pushing the break. And was showing some defensive flashes. So you saw the game kind of starting to come to him in a more natural way in Game 2. And that is what set the table for a Game 3 in which he burst onto the scene. This was the game in which he was awesome. He ended up finishing with 20 points, 17 rebounds, 3 assists, and 3 steals while shooting 8 of 15 from the field and 4 of 5 from the free throw line. So this is what's crazy. I talked to three different teams when he was drafted, not the Nuggets, three separate teams from the Nuggets, about Jared Vanderbilt and about how he kind of fit the mold of a rebounder in terms of their perception analytically. And all of them did not have a comparison for Jared Re Jared Vanderbilt's rebounding production at the high school and collegiate level. They had never seen a rebounder in their database statistically that was able, ever able to gobble up that amount of rebounds. And throughout the couple years, or throughout the last 18 months of him being around the Nuggets, that has stayed generally true. And when you look at this game, this game three in Summer League, he had 17 rebounds, 12 of which were defensive. 12 defensive rebounds doesn't sound like an exorbitant am amount of rebounds, but when you think about the fact that these are 10-minute quarters, not 12-minute quarters, 
and there were only, I believe, 27 defensive rebounding opportunities, he ended up grabbing 32.4% of all available defensive rebounds. That's absurd considering he only played 30 or 40 minutes. So when you actually kind of even that out, and you put it on a per 100 basis, if you just put it on a 40-minute level, he grabbed about 51% of all available defensive rebounds by himself. And that's in addition to the five offensive rebounds that he also grabbed in this game. So when you talk about his defensive ability as a rebounder, that was on full display. When you look at his tenacity as a rebounder, it was on full display in that third, in that third game. And in addition, you saw the offensive touch at least become viable. He is light years away from being a productive scorer at the NBA level. He does not have the touch inside. He does not have a mid-range game. He is not even a very good free throw shooter. So you can't rely on him drawing fouls. He can't stretch out to the three-point line consistently yet. But in this game, he was able to score off offensive rebounds. He threw down a couple alley-oops. He had a couple you know, tough finishes through contact down low, a couple creative finishes. So you saw the offensive touch become viable at this level in that moment. And again, just as he was just as he was doing in all the other games, was just grabbing defensive rebounds and pushing the ball up the floor. You could see his confidence with the ball in his hands. It's instinctual with him now. It's in and out dribbles into crossovers as he gets into the paint and makes reads and is throwing one-handed passes to the corner or to cutters. You can just see the instinctual playmaking that he just inherently possesses within his skill set. It's really incredible to see it how actually talented he is in person as a playmaker and we haven't had enough examples of it yet to really see how good of a creator he is but they're going to come in time and you saw a lot of it throughout summer league I think we're going to see more and more of it as the years go along especially if he ends up playing some more G League time this year um the other thing, too, is that he played some point guard. Uh, the Nuggets were willing just to put the ball in his hands and let him run the offense for a little bit, and he looked really comfortable doing so. So, in my opinion, this was a very good uh, game from Jared Vanderbilt in terms of just showing off what makes him such a tantalizing prospect. So, overall, I mean, 2017 3-3 three three is a ridiculous game. So, very good to see Jared Vanderbilt finally look like the beast he is in Summer League where he's supposed to look like a beast. But with that being said, when you start projecting forward, there are still some very clear issues with his game. His touch around the rim or his touch as an offensive scorer at all is extremely rough. I mean, he has no stretch to his game. He's not even going to be a consistent finisher around the rim despite his explosive athletic ability. So all of those things, the lack of an offensive um, scoring touch, it makes the rest of his offensive skills less viable. It's hard to be a good offensive rebounder when they feel like they don't have to even worry about you as an offensive player. Player. It's hard to be a playmaker when they're sagging off of you and just clocking up the lane. So he's going to need to eventually grow and develop some semblance of an offensive game in terms of a score if he ever wants to get the most out of his facilitating. Um, another important part of this, though, that is true is that his athleticism has returned. There was worry at first on my side, like I was very much so worried about this, that the stress fracture he had in his foot was going to limit his athletic ability. But but that does not seem to be the case. He did look extremely explosive in this game, and it was very good to see him throughout Summer League getting his head right up there near the rim. He looks like an extremely athletic player, and that's very good to see because that is what allows his the rest of his NBA-ready skills to really shine brightly. His rebounding ability, his defense, whether it's switching onto guys in the perimeter and moving laterally or whether it's going up and blocking shots and protecting the rim. 
His motor is legit. The guy never stops. But that motor, it's very interesting. That motor can actually be a negative for him because he does not have gears to his game. He is on or he is off. He is 3,000 miles an hour or he is stopped. There's no middle ground for him. So he's going to have to develop different gears to his game in time. But overall, in over these three games, I would say there's more positives than negatives about his game, but not when you compare it to the expectations that many of us had coming into the summer league it's great to see his explosion back it's great to see his rebounding ability so real he's currently leading summer league with 12 rebounds a game it's so good to see his passing ability there and you know shining brightly but he still has a long ways to go in ways that we did not give enough credit to. There were uh, there were bigger deficiencies, in my opinion, that were not talked about enough that I overlooked myself. And this, then they definitely were on full display in his first uh, few summer league games this year. That's enough about Jared Vanderbilt. Let's talk about Vlako Chanchar, who is I, in my opinion, has had a very good summer league. If you just pulled up the box score from each of his game, you would think I'm an absolute liar for saying that. I mean, he's shooting like 35% from the field and 28% from three. He has five assists against five turnovers and only hit a few three-pointers throughout the year. People aren't seeing statistically why Vlako is so exciting, but you have to watch him to see it. Vlaco is doing everything that you want to see from him at this point. He is not coming to the Nuggets to be a starting small forward. That is not what his role is. If the Nuggets were to sign him, it is specifically to be wing depth and to play small forward and power forward and just provide that breaking case of emergency type player. So with that being said, his ability to not get in the way, his ability to perfectly fill the role, the fact that he can spot up and hit shots, the fact that he knows how to move the ball, the fact that his IQ is extremely high on both ends of the floor, the fact that he could defend multiple positions, the fact that he is able to finish at the rim, finish in the mid-range, and finish from three, the fact that he has been able to show off a little bit of playmaking and vision as a facilitator. The point is, is that Vlako Chanchar can do everything pretty well and he does not get in the way or make a ton of mistakes and that is absolutely played out in summer league i cannot think of a player who has done as many things just at the right level for what the team needs as much as vlako chanchar of course there's guys like grant williams who are significantly better and do more things and in that in that manner but in terms of what the nuggets need in terms of exactly the role he will play on the nuggets roster if he is offered a contract to play on the nuggets roster he is doing everything correctly and that's that's really all there is to say about him I mean whether he's cutting at the perfectly right time whether he's waiting for someone to clear out so he can hit someone with the perfect pass whether it's just not thinking and getting the ball out of his hands and swinging it around whether it's sticking with his man defensively whether it's rotating over whether it's jumping passing lanes whether it's finishing the transition he just does his role perfectly and I just cannot imagine it's very hard for me to see a world in which Vlako Chanchar does not get one of the Nuggets last remaining roster spots it just has to happen in my opinion he just fits perfectly and he's cheap enough to be able to do it so in my opinion it just makes more sense for Vlako to make this team and I think despite the fact that his shot has not fallen and they've had a couple you know extra turnovers than we're used to seeing from him he has had a very good summer league and I think he's done nothing but help his case to become a member of the Denver Nuggets going going into next season. 
The next player we have to talk about is Brandon Goodwin, who, in my opinion, has been a has been very much so a mixed bag in summer league. Um, in game one, he was fine. There was nothing incredible about his game. 16 points, three rebounds, seven assists, five of 11 from the field, some great defense in the first half, some mediocre defense in the second half. He did have four turnovers, which wasn't great, had some bad decisions, but overall, just a very, very competent player. That's really what you wanted to see from him was that he was consistent and competent, and he was that in game one. And then in game two, that dude blew up. He had 28 points, four assists, was 10 of 18 from the field, hit four of his seven threes. Wasn't as good on defense, but man, an efficient and a diverse scoring ability to get to those 28 points. Floaters, finishes at the rim, mid-range looks, three-pointers, transition opportunities. He was really good in game two, and he even had the balls to jump in front of Taco Fall, who was you know running full speed and took a charge from seven foot six taco fall the guy was in his bag in that game and he was very good but in game three he was an unmitigated disaster i mean you're talking eight points two rebounds five assists on three of 11 from the field missed all six of his free throws was terrible on defense made really bad decisions on offense was forcing his shot and then when you get to the fourth quarter the nuggets had a 12 point lead and he I, I don't know if he was gassed if he gave up or if he was just done playing defense but whatever it was he was he was he was the biggest culprit for why the nuggets fell apart in the fourth so maybe that charge from taco fall did more damage than we thought but he was really really bad in game three um, so with that being said, I'm sure that there are teams out there who are willing to give him a two-way contract, or I'm sure that there are some very, very nice international contracts out there for him. I'm not sure what the Nuggets are going to do. As far as I understand, he is a restricted free agent as of right now after finishing his one-year two-way contract uh, last season. But the Nuggets do need a third-point guard so that they strike out everywhere else. It makes sense to keep him around, and even if not, he clearly was able to be productive enough in the G League to be, you know, to be kept around as a two-way guy. But I would not say that so far summer league has boosted his his opportunity with the Nuggets. I wouldn't say anybody feels better about Brandon Goodwin right now based off the three games that we have seen. He is someone who could really use a great showing going into the next game that they're going to play in Vegas because he needs to separate himself. He needs to prove himself because right now he's just a guy at Summer League and he needs to be more than that. So we'll have to wait and see, but he could really use a strong, consistent next game. And the last guy is Thomas Wells. He's only played a couple games. He's not really a guy who needs to play a lot of summer league. The Nuggets love him. He's a fantastic practice player. He's beloved by the by the uh, the uh, locker room. He's a guy that the front office, they don't see him as like a future starting player or even a backup center. But he's just such a good culture guy to have around. And he's on a two-way contract. There's no reason for them just to get rid of him. So because of that, they just kind of let him not play too much. And I only played a four-minute stint and had two points, two rebounds. Gave time to others. He's fine. He's not hurt, um, but this is not an indictment on his play that he didn't play that much. This has nothing to do with injury. This is just getting more time for other guys. And also, because he didn't play tonight, we got to see Jared Vanderbilt play center. We got to see Vlako Chonchar play some power forward, which they both might have to do at the NBA level, depending on what transpires throughout the season. So, overall... Thomas Welsh has been good in the summer league, but everyone knows who he is. There's no, there's, there's nothing to figure out when it comes to Thomas Welsh as things are currently standing. So we'll have to wait and see. I'll talk more about Thomas Welsh in a second because I got a good question about him for, from uh, someone on Twitter. So we'll dive into that in a second. 
All right, let's answer some questions from listeners. Let's just dive into it. I picked like five of them. So, Mitchie5280 asked, Do you think the touch around the rim is a skill that is probable to improve? This is very difficult because it depends on the player, but um, most guys, it's difficult to improve touch. Um, scoring touch is something that is kind of just like hand-eye coordination. You are bored with it or you are not, and you can improve it marginally, but you can't take gigantic steps forward. There are obviously going to be anomalies involved in this because you have guys like Kawhi Leonard, who was a complete non-factor offensively outside of just dunking and layups, and then somehow turned into just one of the most lethal scorers in the NBA. So, of course, there are going to be situations in which there are anomalies, but overall, it is very difficult to develop touch when you start out with it without any kind of touch at the offensive end of the floor with that being said Jared Vanderbilt who I'm guessing this isn't this is um, this question is referring to he's been working with Mark Bryce who was a very very good shooter you know a legendary free throw shooter and efficient kind of guy so if there's someone who can get to him maybe Mark Price can can work his magic but touch is a very very difficult thing just to suddenly add to the equation in my opinion. Uh, ben Pfeiffer, who, by the way, does great work for 8.9 seconds covering the Pacers. He also runs Pacers Film Room on Twitter. Uh, go follow him at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. He's awesome at what he does. But he asked, does Vando have a role with this regular season team if he continues to play like this? While I would like to say yes because I very much so enjoy Jared Vanderbilt, the honest answer is no because they just traded for Jeremy Grant. They already have Mason Plumlee on the team, and then, and then they also have Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic. It's tough enough to play four bigs in the NBA. It's very, very difficult. So adding a fifth is just basically not possible. He might play if there's injuries. He might play in blowouts, things like that. But beyond that, there just isn't really a role for Vanderbilt as things are currently constructed. Uh, John Lewis, next question. Is it essential to have a G League team or can you survive without it? It would be extremely helpful to have a G League team, but I think the Denver Nuggets have proven that you can absolutely function without it. Um, the Nuggets have already turned Torrey Craig and Monte Morris from two-way contract players into very helpful rotation players. They have already gotten help for their guys like Tyler Lydon, like Jared Vanderbilt in the G League as well. I would I would bet that they're going to continue finding ways to do so. Having your own G League team would mean you can hire your own coaching staff to where you can coach guys in the way that you want them to play on the Nuggets team, which is a lot better to have that kind of control over the processes. But overall, the Nuggets have made do. They need to get one. They are one of the only, they are one of two teams in the NBA who don't have one at this point other than Portland. It's kind of embarrassing that they don't have one despite whatever reasons may actually be there as to why they don't have one. And they could, you know, utilize their these players even better and get them to grow even more if they had it. So sure, they can survive without one, but they absolutely need to get one ASAP. Uh, Cade Walker asks, what are the odds Brandon Goodwin slides into the third point guard role? I think it could happen. I think there's probably, I would say, a 35% chance of it happening. But I think the Nuggets need to look elsewhere for a third point guard. You can look overseas. You can look in the free agency pool. I just got back from Vegas. I don't even know who's left in the free agency pool. I'm very tired. It's 2.30 in the morning, so I'm sorry. I don't have more information. But in terms of Brandon Goodwin himself, thinking up the top of my head, I do think he could fill that role. I know the team likes him as a person, but the Nuggets are a very savvy team, and having a good, viable third point guard would be extremely helpful for this Nuggets team. So, honestly, I'd probably call it closer to 50-50 than the 35% that I said, but... 
I wouldn't say it's a lock that Brandon Goodwin has earned the opportunity to be the third point guard with how he has played in Summer League. Uh, last question is, is Thomas Walsh an NBA player and what is his ceiling? This is a very tough question because the game has actually evolved in a way that can help and benefit the way that he plays. So let's talk about if he's an NBA player. I think he absolutely is an NBA player. I think he can be a third center right now in the NBA because he's such a smart player. He is so vocal defensively. He is such a coachable player. And in terms of locker room guy and a practice guy, he makes the rest of his teammates better. When you start talking about his ceiling, this is where things get more interesting because let's just say that Thomas Welsh can continue to grow as a three-point shooter and maybe he can add a little bit more strength to become a strong rebounder. Then you look at him and be like, you know what? I can maybe see Brook Lopez there. If you can kind of get to that point, which isn't crazily out of the question, there is a ceiling in which Brook Lopez is not out of the question. Um, that's really all I got when it comes to that. That's really all I got when it comes to the Nuggets Summer League right now because the games have been virtually awful. Um, Summer League basketball is not good basketball, but overall there have been some important takeaways that I like to cover in that. I also had a takeaways piece that I have about Mile High Sports right now kind of outlining these same things that I talked about just in a written form. So go read that as well. Um, there will be another podcast coming out tomorrow on Thursday after Jeremy Grant talks to the media for his introductory press conference. So I'll have an article and I'll have a podcast up from that. But until then, thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you again later. Have a great rest of your day.